did you guys have a great Easter? Did you? Was it good? You have a good Easter? Good. That's a, like I said, that's the Super Bowl for Christians every year, right? That's a big one. That's a holiday. Like, whoa, that is Resurrection Sunday. That's good. Um, I want to just celebrate with you guys, give you guys some numbers really quickly. Uh, not that numbers matter, but numbers do matter. Can I say that? Is like, like, like growth matters because what we're after is we're after health. And if you can build a healthy church, then the Holy Spirit's going to bring the numbers, right? Health brings growth. So we're after health around here, but we had our biggest Easter weekend we've ever had, which just tells you we're part of a growing church. God is moving in. That's good stuff. We had um, over the weekend, over all of our Friday night and Saturday night and then Sunday morning services, we had 4,282 people come to church. Can we just say thank you, God? That was cool. But here's a better number. 107 people made decisions for Jesus Christ on the way. Come on, you got to give God credit for that one. Amen. That's a big thing. And so because of all of that, we are doing a baptism today. And I don't care if it's raining. You're going to get wet anyway. Can I just say that right now? We're going to get wet anyway. We're going to go baptize down at Kalama Beach Club. Um, I think the gates are open at 12 for you guys to come down there. One o'clock, we're giving out free hot dogs and chili dogs and you know, all that good stuff. And then two o'clock, we're going to start the baptisms. And here's, here's why I want you to go so bad is number one, you're going to get to meet other people in the church and hang out in just kind of a relaxed, fun beach setting. But really what's important is that there's a bunch of people that have decided in their hearts to say, I'm in, man. I'm in the family of God from here on out. I'm following Jesus. I'm looking forward to what he's doing in my life, and, and I got to tell somebody. And that's what baptism is all about, is that you would just take that public stand to let the world know, like down at the beach, we're going to baptize you. Going under that water, you're like saying, I'm dying to my old way of life, my old self, where I was in control, and it didn't work out so hot. So I'm going underwater to symbolize that, but I'm coming up a new creation. Like Jesus came out of the grave, resurrection power, that same power is available for you and me in our lives. And you're kind of telling the world, like, I'm on his team now, and I got a new life ahead of me. He's my God. I don't like bow to anybody else but the one true God. And so that's what we're celebrating, and people are doing that. But I just think it's always better when there's people around you celebrating and rejoicing and welcoming you into the family. So even if you're not getting baptized and don't know anyone getting baptized, come show up anyway and just cheer them on and welcome them into the church family. Is that a good sales pitch for you as they get down there? It's got free food, free food at least, okay? Anyways, um, we're starting a new series today. I'm Pastor Carl, by the way. Nice to, to have you this morning. I will be your waiter today. You know how they say that, the restaurants. Hi, I'm Carl. I'll be your waiter. I'm Carl. I'll be your pastor this morning. But welcome to Anchor Church. We're blessed that you guys are here. We're starting a brand new series. You had a great Easter weekend. God is just doing some good stuff around here. But we're starting the series based on questions that people frequently ask, right? Frequently asked questions. And we've just been collecting different things that we hear a lot from people that are kind of common and different issues that we deal with. And today is a really fun, interesting topic. It's the question of how do I respond to irritating people? That's a good one. How many of you guys are very interested in this one? Because you're like, yes, I need that because irritating people in our lives. And like, think about it, irritating people, they're everywhere, aren't they? Like they're everywhere. You can't just, like you can go to school, they're there. Like teachers, classmates, or whatever, they're there. On the job, it could be your boss, could be your employees, your coworkers. They're irritating people. They're all around us. They're like lurking in our neighborhoods. Our neighbors are irritating, right? Our kids are irritating. I mean, the irritating people could be in your own home, right? It could be your kids, and kids are sitting here going, it could be my parents, right? Like, it goes all over the place. And so 
I want you to really lock into. We're going to look at the word of God, but I want to have some fun with us locking into what and who are the irritating people in my life and what does it feel like. I got a quick video clip to show you of what it feels like to be irritated by people to hopefully get you in the mood for the sermon. Take a look at this really quickly. You're it. Oh, you guys know. You're it. You're it. Quitsies. Any quitsies. You're it. Quitsies. No, any quitsies. No startsies. You can't do that. Can't do. Cannot. Stamp it. Can't do. Double stamp it. No erases. Cannot. Triple stamp it. No erases. Toast blue make it no, true. No. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lord, you can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lord, Lord. You guys. Enough. Hey. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Anybody know people that make you feel like that? They just irritate the heck out of you. They push your buttons. They want to argue. They want to bring up stuff. And it's just maybe just their personality, who they are, irritates you. Think about the different people. I was thinking of different people in my life. And hopefully you're not here today. You might be. You'll know, maybe. Um, the corrector. Anybody have a corrector in their life? Everything that you do, they have a better way to do it. They correct you. They nitpick. They like tell you how you can, they get all up in your business and they tell you how you could improve better in your family relationships or on the job or that outfit doesn't match today or you just like, you know, everything is just correcting, correcting, correcting your job, your clothes, your music, your faith, whatever. They just, they have a better way to do it. That's, that's very irritating, isn't that? What about the different people that you have conversations with, you talk to? Anybody irritated by the long talkers? You get a long talker in your life. You know you'll never get out of conversation with them with like a 30 minute or 30 seconds. It's always like 30 minutes or longer. Like you're literally throwing signals like halfway through like, oh, yeah, really? Oh, uh-huh. Right? And they don't pick up on it. Like long talkers. Anybody got a friend long talker? You have the kind of, got the kind of friends that's maybe the, the close talker? Anybody have one of those? Like, you don't know why, but they, like, personal space means nothing to them. And they're just like, hey, Pastor Carl, how you doing? And you're like, why are you so close to me, right? And it makes it worse when the close talker has bad breath. Come on, let's be real. Let's be real. Hey, Anchor Church, we got you. We got you. You guys know the bulls in the back. We're all about servicing people that have to deal with close talkers in here, right? Because sometimes they're just like, they want to have these really intimate conversations, but their breath is like, your breath is in my breath now. Like, it's in my lungs. That's not good, right? What is that? That's irritating, right? Uh, think about, like, like, who's another one I, I put on? I was just trying to think of different things. What about the loud talkers, right? They're right next to you, but they're yelling at you. Hey, I have a prayer request. You're like, ah. Like, worst is this. Bible study time at Starbucks, and you're having the meeting, and you're like, yeah, this is going on in my life right there. Oh, what? You had diarrhea yesterday? Ah, ah. Right? Everybody in Starbucks knows your business. That's irritating. Can I just say that? If that's you, that's irritating. I'm just saying, don't be loud. Maybe you're the quiet talker. No one knows what you're really, are you just chewing gum over there? Or are you talking? Right? What did you say? Say that again. Oh, I had a really good day, and then I went to say, like, no one knows. That's irritating. I'm sorry. That's just irritating. Who has the complainer in their life? Everything is negative. Everything is critical. You say something good, they turn it into something bad. Hey, man, let's go surfing. No, surfing is dangerous. You could get killed. Ah. Oh. Well, at least the sun is out. We get, no, I can get sunburned. I burn easy. Ah, oh, man. Well, let's go grind plate lunch after. Let's go eat. No, I'm a vegan. I'll have kale. Like, ah. Oh. Like, everything is the negative 
complain. How about this one? Too friendly or too affectionate? Because there is a, such a thing as too friendly. Some of you guys don't know that, but it's, it's aggressively friendly. Like, I'm all for, like, greeting people. Listen, every week I love you guys. I greet you. Hugs and kisses on the cheek. I get that. But if you come in for my lips, that's too far. I'm just saying. That's inappropriate. That's inappropriate. You might be a nice guy. Sorry. I'm just not the context or the setting, too friendly. And I like the hugs, but we all know that there's an acceptable length of time to hug people, right? And at some point, you have to let go, like, because it just gets kind of weird, and you just, right? But anyway, there's all these kinds of people. What about this one? The people that are always better than you, the one-uppers. Anybody got a friend like that? Like, man, I had a really good day today. Oh, mine was better. What? Like, you can't win, right? Oh, I just saved up. I got a new car. Oh, I got one too. And for the wife, we got two new cars. Oh, well, I just got a raise at my company. Oh, I just bought the company. Like, you can't win because they're always one-upping you. How many of you guys would relate right now and you're in a mindset right now, you're thinking of people's faces and names. You got some irritating people in your life? Come on, we all got irritating people. And here's what's so good about this and we can make fun and we can take it lightly is that God understands. This is what's so good about God is he's our father. He created us. He knows that we're all wired differently, different personalities, different backgrounds, personal space, volume levels. Like some of us are too messy. Some of us are too OCD, too neat, right? And there's all of these things that can irritate us. And yet God knows. And he goes, so I've given you some help. And here's what we got to see today. And here's the answer is that God's word always gives answers. And that God's word is going to give us some answers today about how to deal with people that kind of just, just set us off and push our buttons and how do we respond properly. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but God's word has answers for every problem that you have in your life. Can I get an amen to that? A chihu. All right, thank you. Thank you. Good. You're tracking with me. I like that. But we're going to take a look in the word because God goes, I know you irritate each other. I made you differently on purpose. There's beauty in that, but also it can get difficult at times. It can be exasperating. We can be provoked to the point of anger. That's what the word difficult means, the word irritating means. It means that we annoy each other, but he goes, but I've given you some instruction. So we're going to dig in the word today, and we're going to start in 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, which you guys know is actually a letter to a guy named Timothy, right? The apostle Paul was this um, amazing leader in the New Testament. He went around, started a bunch of churches. He, he preached. He did miracles. He, he basically started the movement of Christianity in uh, New Testament times. And um, he would write letters often. He would go and start churches, start ministries. Then he would travel more, and he would write letters back to see how everybody's doing, to coach his friends and to coach the different churches and different individuals to give him more advice about what God was speaking to him about and how to live the life of a Christian. So he's writing to this young man named Timothy. We know he's a younger guy. Paul mentioned that, that, that he was young. He was a leader in the church of Ephesus and in other places. And Paul's writing this letter to him. He wrote all these letters in the New Testament. What we believe is that the, the letters to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, were the last letters written before Paul was actually killed. That this book, Second Timothy, and I'm going to reference right now, just so you have a little background on it, is these are actually Paul's last words in a letter to encourage someone. So he's serious about it. See, he wrote the book of, of Second Timothy probably in around 66 or 67 AD. And we know from history that in about May or June of 68 AD, like a year or so later, that Paul was put to death in Rome. And so we know that as he's writing this to Timothy, he's serious. And he's going, I'm going to tell you some real stuff. It's going to bless your life. 
tell you how to be a good Christian, how to relate to other people. So just so you know that, like, this is a pretty meaningful letter. When you read the book of 2 Timothy, last recorded letter that Paul wrote. So here's what he says to this guy named Timothy. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. In other words, there's going to be irritating people that are going to push your buttons to try to get you into this nonsense and talking and anger and all that. He goes, hey, don't even get involved in that stuff. A servant of the Lord, like you or me, Christians, we must not quarrel, but we must be kind to everyone. So already I'm reading this, and I'm just going to myself, fail. Like, I don't know if I can do this. This is hard. But again, here's Paul's urgency going, this is so important, Timothy. I might not be around here longer. You got to get this. Don't, you must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. There's our, our word, difficult, irritating, exasperating, provoking to anger. There's going to be people like that. Learn to be patient with them. Do it by gently instructing those who oppose the truth. Hey, what you stand for, what the word of God teaches, instruct people. But do it gently. Don't, don't argue with them. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will actually learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Listen, you got to understand, because Paul's making it very clear, that people that irritate us, push our buttons, want to argue with us, there is influence of the devil going on in people's lives. Now, I'm not trying to be one of those over-spiritualization type of people and trying to scare you and think that demons are lurking everywhere and all of that stuff, but I'm saying this, because it says so in different parts of scripture, that we live in a spiritual world, not just a physical world that everything that we actually do has a spiritual connection and connotation to it. That there's two forces always at work within us. The Bible clearly defines them, only two. There's such that comes from God and such that comes from the enemy, the devil. And he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to mess us up. So when Paul referencing here like, hey, be careful, it's a trap of the devil. He's not getting all weird and all like extra spiritual. He's just saying, Sometimes you don't know it. You think you're just fighting against people. But the devil is actually stirring up anger and irritation and influence in Christians as well as non-Christians. The devil doesn't own you as a Christian. He can't possess you, but he can surely mess with you and irritate you and get you to kind of be used to irritate other people because this, because the devil hates relationships. Because God loves relationships. He teaches all about unity. Everywhere in scripture, it's all about the one another's, the each other's. Love each other, honor each other, forgive each other. Here's what God knows, is that we're stronger together than we are alone. And if we can get together and be of the same mind, heart, spirit, and we come before God, then we can change the world around us. But if we bicker and argue and get irritated with each other and separate ourselves and isolate ourselves, then we're much weaker and the enemy can win in our lives. So we got to understand, first of all, where is the cause of irritating people and why does this happen? Well, number one, the enemy is trying to stir some stuff up in our lives. So we got to be aware that the devil is involved. But here's the main reason, I think, that we get irritated with other people. The main reason I get irritated with any of you or anybody else in this world is this, is because you are not like me, and I'm perfect, and my way is best, just so you guys know that, right? But isn't that what we all think, right? We all have a, a way that we've been raised in our family, in our background, in our city we come from, our style of learning, our personality type, and we only know our type. So therefore, we look at everybody else that's different from us, and we say, man, you're so irritating because you're not like me. 
Why don't you see things my way? Why don't you do it my way? And it's not really that maybe necessarily everybody's irritating. It's just that they don't live up to our personal standards. Does that make sense? Well, let me tell you a little fact, a little truth here today. You might want to take notes on this. Write this one down. Is everyone is irritating to someone. Can I just write that? You need to know that before we go into it. Because otherwise, we go into this message, and you're just going to be thinking, oh, this message is for everybody else, everybody else. First of all, you need to understand that you're actually an irritating person. Can I just say to somebody, everyone is irritating. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, you're irritating. You have my permission. In church, you're irritating. Do it. Like, you don't want to do it, husbands and wives. You're scared, huh? Okay, so here. So build them back up really quick because you didn't want to start a fight and just tell them this, but God loves you anyway. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. God loves you, right? Because the truth of the matter is we just get so easily irritated and, and oftentimes we're the irritating person. Let me tell you this. Before we go into the word of God and we look at some practical things that are going to help us respond to irritating people, let me just confess to you that I didn't even want to preach this sermon because I'm the irritating person, and I know it, and I'm so convicted about how I treat other people, and God's word is so clear, and he's, he's given me this message to help you, but I got to realize that I'm always, every week, you guys need to know, I'm preaching this thing to myself. The Holy Spirit is preaching it to me first before he preaches it to you, so I'm in the same boat here, and I realize I am an irritating person, <laughs> but here's the deal. This is the main crux of what we're talking about here today is that people can only irritate you if you let them. There's the whole point of today's message, is that people can only irritate you if you let them. In other words, Jesus walked around this earth, and there were so many different types of people that came after him, and they pushed his buttons, and they did everything, but Jesus took it like a champ, and he never got distracted from his purpose, from his mission. He always kept preaching back, hey, here's what life's all about. You just keep your eyes on the Father, you love God, and then you love other people. Yeah, but they irritate you, and they did this, and they did that. Jesus said, no, no, I'm just, I'm sticking to it. This is what I have to say, is that irritating people can only irritate you if you let them irritate you. So the whole truth of the matter today is in how you respond to irritating people. You guys ready to dig into this today? Let's listen. Let's hear what the Word of God has to say. So how are we supposed to respond to irritating people? Well, look in your notes. It says, what are my choices? I think there's three choices. Here's the first one. To, to respond to irritating people, you can fight them. <laughs> you can, how many of you guys are like, yeah, I can fight them. No, I'm just saying that's an option and a choice. It's not the right option or the choice, right? But that's what we do, right? Sometimes our first option is they argue with me or argue right back. Revenge is always so sweet. It's so good. Like we can fight. We can come back. They cut us off in traffic. I cut them off in traffic. I follow them to five lights before I can cut them off. Still worth it to me because I got them back, right? Like I can, I can feel that way. I can fight them. Someone makes comments on your, like, Facebook post, and you can't wait to comment back, but you're going to make sure it's a good one. You bust out the dictionary for extra words you didn't know. Like, what is a synonym to hatred? Because that's what you're about to get. Like, we, we can choose to respond by fighting back, right? Nobody in here does that. Anybody here do that? We fight back. Here's the second choice, is that you can actually enable them. You can enable them. No, I choose not to enable them. But you know how you enable them? Is when you just avoid the irritating person and ignore the irritating person. Doesn't solve anything. You're actually enabling them to keep on being irritating. They're just not going to irritate you in that moment. Like, it's, it's the, the technique that we do um, where we just hide from people. And you guys, you know you all do it because you're pushing the shopping cart down Target. And you got to buy milk. But you go down the aisle and you see that person. 
You're like, oh, no, most irritating person in the world. The kids can put cereal in their water for the next couple days because they're they're not getting milk today because I'm not going down that aisle. You guys know what I'm talking about? And all we did was we ignored the irritating person and we hid from them. And all we did was we enabled them to still being irritating. It doesn't change. It doesn't fix anything. So you can fight back. You can ignore it and just enable them to keep on being like that. Or here's a third choice is you can love them. You can love them the way that Jesus did. And it takes a little bit more work. But here's what happens when you love them is you're actually helping that person by showing them love. Now, I'm talking about sometimes tough love. Jesus was the master of giving truth and grace, that he spoke words of wisdom and he spoke honesty, but he also said the hard things to people. Why? Because he wanted to help them out as much as he was helping himself out. And when I actually do it right and I love them, I'm helping them be less irritating. I'm helping me be less irritated And I'm showing Jesus what Christian life is all about. So everybody wins in that. Amen? Because listen, there's a verse in Proverbs 27, 6. One of my favorite verses in scripture. It just says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. See, it's good to have the kind of people that love me enough to tell me what I need to hear, not just what I want to hear. I'm glad I have friends that when I'm irritating, they don't just hide from me. They don't avoid me but they actually come in with real love and they say, hey, Carl, you, I don't know if you saw this, but you're, you're kind of doing that. You're kind of being irritating right now. What? Like they love me enough to wound me. What may wound at the beginning is actually better for me and it helps me win. So, so there's our choices, fight them, enable them, or love them. We're gonna talk about how we can love them today because the Bible says a lot about irritating people. So let's look at what the Bible does say. I'm gonna give you about six things here today. It's not a full comprehensive list. It's just some stuff I saw in scripture that, When God speaks, I want to listen and hear some good practical pointers for us today. First one is this, in your notes, understand that you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. Here comes the Apostle Paul again, speaking to some other friends of his in Galatia, to the Galatians. In Galatians 1.10, he says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, then I would not be Christ's servant. In other words, he says this, is that there's not always going to be people that agree with your faith or your lifestyle or your decisions or the truth. There's going to be friends of ours that are like, hey, man, you used to cruise with us. You used to hang out Friday nights. We'd go drink. We'd go do, we'd do all this. And I'm like, oh, I go to church now. I'm trying to get my life turned around. I'm trying to listen to what God's going on in my life. And instantly those people are going to be bummed or disappointed or maybe even mad at you or just other stances that you have to take to say, I'm doing things God's way, is that you cannot please anybody. Amen? Who's saying that? Amen, right? That we know that. There's people in our life, we just, we're not gonna please everybody. And so what Paul is saying is this, don't worry about those people. Just work to make God proud. Just please God. Listen, a couple weeks ago, my daughter, Sam, she was in a play at school, fifth grade, but all the kids, all the classes were in it. It was the Lion King musical, right? And so they've been practicing for months and singing the songs and learning their parts and doing like their dances and all this stuff. And, and, we, and they were doing a really good job in practice. But then the night when they actually have to put the play on, you could tell those kids were scared because now they're on stage, the lights are on them, the costumes are on, and there's just like this sea of parents, right, in the cafeteria, all sitting in the tiny chairs. You guys know what I'm talking about? And you guys got kids and they... Why don't they buy adult chairs? Like, why you got to make us sit in the, like, like the little tiny chair? But we're all sitting there, and we're watching the Lion King, and they're doing their thing. But all these kids, they were so practiced and ready, 
Now it's scary because everybody's looking at them. Cameras are out, the whole deal. And you can see them like doing their dance, but they're freaking out. Right? You guys know what I'm talking I'm trying. That's my best. That's all I got. I don't know the words. It's like African Swahili. I have no idea. But they're doing their deal, but they're scared. You know what I'm saying? Like, like parents are like, yeah, and the kids are scared. And they're like, maybe they mess up a part. And like, you can see them almost like want to cry because they're like, oh, they're taking it so seriously. And I'm watching my daughter, and she looks scared like them too. But every once in a while, she glances back over to where we're sitting, right? Oh, there's family. There's, there's parents. There's brother, sister. There's cousins. There's auntie. And she's freaking out scared, and she glances over there, and all she sees is like, doing awesome. Go, go. Right? And she's all excited because there's, there's her people. There's the people that matter in the room, right? And everything's like scary. And then a glance, well, where's dad? I'm like, dad's like, Go, Sammy, yeah, right? And I'm just cheering her on. It's like, oh, and here's what Paul's trying to say here is you're not going to please everyone. There's going to be people that intimidate you, that scare you, that irritate you. But all you need to have is the audience of one. What does my father think of me? Because if I'm living to please God, not people, right? And so this first one is so important. Understand that you will have irritating, critical people in your life. It's a, it's a no-brainer. It's no question. That's part of human life. Jesus said this in John 15, 20. Do you remember what I told you? He's speaking to his disciples. A slave is not greater than the master. And since they persecuted me, then naturally they will persecute you. In other words, he's saying, expect the critics, but just keep your eyes on God. Expect that you're going to have irritating people. Don't be like freaked out and surprised. Like, I can't believe that guy. You should go like, oh, Jesus said that. Like me living for him and trying to maintain integrity and do the right thing, there's going to be people that are just against that and they're going to irritate me. The devil's real. That's part of life. I'm not going to freak out. Just keep my eyes on God, right? Just like, in the mana, in the mana. Where's that? Oh, okay, okay. I'm all good. Keep your eyes on God. Amen? Here's the second thing that I see in Scripture that is important. How do we respond to irritating people? Number two, don't get sucked in. Don't get sucked into their irritatingness. Don't get sucked into their issues or their games, and don't fall for the false flattery that's going to suck you in to their agenda or their political rant or their issue or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, Pastor Carl, you're my friend. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Like, yeah, 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 we're on the same team. Oh, you see things the same as me, everything. Hey, don't you hate that guy over there? Wait, what? No, no, I don't. But they will try to suck you in. You guys know what I'm talking about? We all have friends like that. That's irritating. Like, I don't need your, save the drama for your mama. Like, I don't need that. Like, just, I don't want to get sucked in. Here's what, here's a verse in John chapter two that I think is really cool. The verse before it is like, I didn't put it on the screen, but it talks about this, that there were some people around, I think it was in Jerusalem, and some people began to believe in Jesus and follow him and be a part of his mission and ideals and everything that's going on because they saw the miracles he was working. So you read that verse and you go, that's cool. Jesus, you got some new followers. But then the following verse says this, John 2, 24, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. In other words, there's something going on that we can't really see in scripture, but we learn by Jesus' response is that people were following him and saying, we're on your team, team Jesus. Yeah, we like the miracles. We like what's going on. And he goes, I don't trust you. I think that's false flattery. You're trying to suck me into whatever it is that you're all about, and I, I don't need to get sucked into your drama. I don't get, need to get sucked into your issues. or whatever. I'm going to love you, and I'll pray for you, but there's a key word here, boundaries. Some of us need to understand that people are irritating, but don't let yourself get sucked into their agenda and what's going on. 
Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You get your, life, you get your heart drawn into something, you get your emotions drawn into something, it's going to determine the course of how the rest of your life plays out. So guard your heart. Be careful. In other words, trust wisdom. Don't trust emotions. Like Trust God. Don't trust your feelings and your emotions and the flattery and all of that kind of stuff. Be careful. Avoid the fight. Love people, but just don't get involved in what's going on. Now, here's something I learned the other day, literally just the other day. Someone said something to me that irritated me. It provoked me to something. I was like all ready to get riled up, and I went, whoa, hold on. Don't get sucked in. And here's what I did. I held my tongue. I said something in response that was just nice and short, and I got out of it. And I thought, oh, I did a good job. I just I didn't get sucked into the drama they were trying to suck me into. But here's what I found. Listen to this. I held my tongue. Didn't say a word. But I went over where I was, and about 15 minutes later, I realized that I was grumbling in my heart. That I was like, oh, I can't believe that person. They're so irritating. Somebody got to tell them off. Good thing I didn't, God, because I'm clean. I'm good. I didn't speak it. But my heart was just as messed up and irritated, and it was ruining my day. And here's what, here's just a good word of advice that God directly spoke to me. Hey, Carl, it's not enough to hold your tongue. Here's what I'm saying. Hold your tongue and scrub your heart. Like two things. It goes a little bit deeper. And I was like, ah. He goes, because look, big deal, you held your tongue. You still all messed up in your heart. Now you got to trust the wisdom of God and what he says, not your emotions, because they're going to get sucked into it. So don't get sucked in is hold your tongue and scrub your heart. Is that a good word? Somebody need to hear that one today. Here's a third response, I think. Here's a good way we can respond to irritating people is just be the better person. Be the better person. Proverbs 12, 16, it says, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. You choose to get better, not bitter. You choose to say, right now, I could respond this way, but I'm going to be the better person. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 14, again, the apostle Paul writing, encouraging the church. He said, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, Take tender care of those that are weak and be patient with everyone. What he's kind of saying here is this. Be your best you. In other words, you cannot control any other human being on planet Earth. You do not have the absolute control and power to control or to change anybody because everybody has free will. But the point of this thing is be the best that you can be because the only person you can really change is yourself. Like, I know we all have relationships, and we're hoping that as we change ourselves, maybe those actions and those words will come out in such a way that it will affect other people. Yes, we should, and that it can change them, but you do not have the absolute control to guarantee that you're going to change them. So if they're irritating, you can do your best to do what you can do, but all you can really do is change yourself, is to be your best you. So you choose to be the better person. Listen, here's a model from Jesus himself. There's a time that Jesus was talking and, and walking around the area of Galilee, and he, he goes to his hometown, Nazareth, right, to do miracles and to preach and to teach and bring the kingdom of heaven. And you would think that if you were Jesus, the Son of God, and you're doing all these miracles and doing all this good stuff, that you would think that when he returned to his hometown where he grew up, everybody would be like, yeah, that's our boy. 
He's the son of God. Like, he's doing miracles. You would think that they would be like, we watched him grow up. I knew him from little kid days. I remember him. We know his dad, Joseph, and Mary, the mom. They grew up right over here. His house is right over here. Yeah, he's coming back into town. We know his brothers and sisters, James. We know that boy, James. He's a good kid. Like, we knew, oh, man, Jesus is coming back into town. This is going to be cool, right? You would think that that's how he'd be received. But the scripture says it was opposite. It's because they knew him, they didn't believe in him. They're like, no way, this guy's not the son of God. No way, I don't care what you've heard. No, he did miracles, I promise. He brought someone back to life from death. Yeah, right, that was another guy. It just looked like him. Different carpenter, probably, different guy. Like, no, no, that was Jesus. And literally, Jesus said he came to his hometown of Nazareth, and he could, he could only do a few miracles there because people's unbelief was so strong. They were, they were negative towards him. They mocked him. They just didn't believe in him. And they were just, they criticized him. So literally, Jesus goes, well, I can't do much there, so I'm going to shake the dust from my feet. I'm going to walk away to go somewhere else. But he didn't respond. He didn't retaliate. He didn't get mad. He didn't let it discourage him. That's what we're talking about here today. He chose to be the better person. He goes, even Jesus realized, because of God giving free will to everybody, is that the only person you can change is yourself. He didn't get mad. He didn't call names on him. He just said, all I can change is me. Even the Son of God says, because of free will, I'm not going to force myself to change anybody else. And so with irritating people, this is something we just got to get in our, in our heads of staying calm and insulted, insulted, being better, is that you can't force yourself on anybody else. And the person to focus on is you. They may still have the problem, but you can become better. You can't force them to become better. Does that make sense? Maybe that's freeing for some of you here today, but you've been trying so hard and you think you need to, and you're responsible for you. You just work on you. Here's the fourth thing that's very important is never retaliate. 1 Peter 3.9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, Pay them back, and we're like, yeah, I'll pay them back, all right. No, he says, instead, pay them back with a blessing. See, that is what God has called you to do, and here's a promise. He will grant you his blessing. Like, this is the hardest thing in the world. This isn't easy stuff we're talking about, but it's stuff that works, that if someone insults you or or offends you or irritates you, that you not only choose to not respond, that's good, that's part of it, but then when you do respond and pay him back, you pay him back with good and not evil. That's really hard to do. But God says, if you can pull that off, I promise I'll bless your life for it. In other words, son, if you can make me proud and you can do what I'm asking you to do, obey me, Carl, I'm going to make it worth your while. There's a reward attached to it on the other end of it. Your life is going to be blessed because you were able to do that. But never, ever retaliate. Don't snap back. You guys know this. Someone snaps at you, you snap back. It never gets better, right? It's never like someone like your husband or wife, your friend or whatever, someone goes, hey, blah, blah, blah. And you go, oh, blah, blah, blah. Then you don't walk away and go, oh, that was cool, right? I love you, man. Thanks. That was great. I'm glad we argued. Like, you, you never say that, right? You know that if someone snaps, you snap back. It keeps escalating until something really bad and negative happens, right? That's just how it works. But instead, in the midst of the war and the battle that you're in with someone else, if we can learn to not retaliate and to stop it, just drop a peace bomb in the middle of it instead of like a, a nuclear bomb on someone's head. Here's what I mean by that is uh, a couple of years ago, I was reading a, a post on Twitter or something, and I don't even do Twitter anymore or Facebook. I'm just on Instagram because I think too many of the words and all the conversations and the comments, even what I'm about to talk about right now, I think sometimes we argue so much and give our opinions so much and irritate each other so much 
that we don't really look like Jesus anymore to the rest of the world around us? And why are we doing all of our arguing on the world wide web so everybody can see us? That's not going to draw anybody to, to Christianity. So whatever, you got opinions like that, you know, whatever. I'm just saying I kind of got off of that stuff, and I just do Instagram because I'm simple like that. Pictures, hey, here's my food, awesome. That's all I need to see, and my day is still happy. You guys know what I'm saying? Anyway, I think we just argue too much. So here's my point. I, was, I, I heard a pastor make a statement on Twitter. It was a truthful statement. It was pretty cool, but it was kind of edgy, kind of controversial. And you knew that everybody was just waiting to get all their comments on. Like, and just, well, I don't believe in that. And they're all quoting scripture. And they're all saying their opinion's better. And this is why the pastor's right. This is why he's wrong. And I'm just looking at the thousands of comments because this guy made this statement. And I'm like, what a waste of time as I'm swiping and scrolling. I'm like, look at all this. And then there was one whole section where it was literally just one guy versus another guy going back and forth, back and forth. Retaliate, 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 retaliate. And they just, and, and they all were saying stuff, dropping scripture and all that, but it was, it was to the point where I'm like, this is embarrassing, this looks bad, don't do this to the body of Christ, guys, ugh. And finally, as it was going down, listen, this is what stopped it all, this is cool. At one point, it was bickering back and forth, back and forth, and this one guy just says this, and I wrote it down. He said, good point, period. Agree to disagree, period. Respect, period. And you know what happened? The whole thread stopped. All the arguments discontinued. He dropped the peace bomb in the middle of the warfare that was already going off. They were retaliating, retaliating, retaliating. And he found a way to say, hey, good point. In other words, I value you as a person, and I'm listening to what you had to say. Agree to disagree. I'm not coming your way. You're not coming my way. But we're going to be okay with that. We're going to still have peace. And respect. Let me just give you a compliment. I value you as a person. And I heard what you're trying to say. And you know what happened? Diffused the whole controversy and everything. And I just thought, that's genius. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to be someone that never retaliates, but instead drop the peace bomb in the situation. Was that good for somebody right there today? That's the kind of people Jesus wants us to be. And here's the fifth one, is we need to practice blessing people. Practice. There's a key word right there. Practice. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 44. I say to you, love your enemies. Okay, already, that's hard, right? Love your enemies. But then he says, bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And this is why I wrote down on this point, practice blessing people. We have to practice at this. We have to work at this. We have to start small because this goes against all of our human nature. It goes against all the way the world teaches. If somebody curses you, no, you don't bless them in return. Man, if somebody spitefully uses you and persecutes you, you're not prone to want to pray for them. If someone's your enemy, you're not going to love them. So it goes against the way we're naturally wired as just like like human beings, the flesh, right? But Jesus calls us as his followers to a higher standard. And he goes, I want you to do this stuff. But this is why I said practice is you got to work up to this stuff. You might have someone right now that irritates you. You never even thought of praying for them before. You thought about praying against them plenty of times, but you never thought about praying for them. And today, maybe your first step in practicing blessing them is just in the middle of your prayer, oh, God, I'm so irritated by this guy. Take away my anger. I'm so mad. And God, just hope they have a good day. Oh, Amen. Right? And if that's all you can squeak out, that's good because you're practicing at getting better. The more you begin to practice praying and blessing and not cursing and doing, doing good to someone that's like not good to you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get stronger. See, I've been doing push-ups lately. Can you guys tell? 
Why are you guys laughing? I've been doing push-ups lately because I'm getting older and I don't surf as much as I used to. And I want to be able to keep up with the young kids and keep my paddling muscles all up and everything. So I started like a couple weeks ago. I'm going to start doing push-ups every day, give myself some goals. And when I first dropped down to do push-ups, I'm like, I did 10 and I was done. I was like, ah, ah, ah. And I was like, done. I'm like, I'm so weak. But as I've been continuing to do them, like this morning, I can whip out like 50 one time. No problem, right? Like I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I can paddle. I can get more waves and all this. And I've been like setting goals, like I'm up to like, before I leave the house, after I brush my teeth, do 150 push-ups and then get going with your day. But I'm finding that I started at 10 and now I'm able to do 51 shot and I'm able to like add on reps and all this stuff and I'm getting stronger same way spiritually. Look, when you bless people, it is uncomfortable and you're gonna be weak at it. You're not gonna feel like blessing someone, being kind to enemies, praying for people, no way. But as you begin to practice it, you're going to get stronger. You know what happens when you get stronger with those spiritual muscles and you learn to bless people? You start to look like Jesus. You start to be able to be someone used by him to actually change the atmosphere of the world around you. You start to know how to respond to irritating people in a whole new light. And here's the last thing is that we should always forgive people. Always forgive people. Always forgive. And that's the hardest one. We've done full series on this before. Forgiveness is so hard. But there's a reason why we should even forgive those that have hurt us the most. And Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4, 13, 32, rather, excuse me. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. And here's why. He says, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, we taught on this before. We like to say this, this phrase, forgiven people forgive people. If you understand the forgiveness that Christ has shown to you, it makes it that much easier to understand, man, I got to show that to this world around me. Because I guarantee you this in my own life, that I must irritate the heck out of God on the daily. Anybody ever feel like that? You ever think about that? Again, we think we're perfect, our way's best, we're doing everything right. But you really think about it, how, how, how much God could say, Carl, you irritate me so bad. You told me that you were going to live for me, and you, you, you throw around those four-letter words like love, but when you're driving, you throw around different four-letter words, not love. Like, that's so irritating, Carl, right? Like, you, you say that you're going to be this awesome person, love God and love other people, and look at the way you just treated your kid over there. You just chewed him out for no reason. Oh, man. How many times daily do I let God down that he has every right to be irritated, and yet he is not irritated with me? He's not irritated with you. Why? Because he sent his son to the cross to die for the irritating aspects of sin in our lives and to make them holy before him so we could have a relationship with him. And see, when we start to understand that there's irritating people and there's enemies and there's going to be people that push our buttons, there's going to be critics. But if we can learn to get over that because God got over it with us, then we're starting to look that much more like Jesus. Because if you don't forgive, it'll continue to be your problem not their problem. Think about the irritating person. They irritate you, and if you're still holding on to it, they don't even have to be in the room. They could be living their life out there happy, irritating the rest of the world, and you're still giving them the power to irritate you because you've not forgiven them, and you're walking around with it as your problem. I was thinking about someone the other day. I was in my office, and a name popped up in my head or something. I was just thinking about this person. They're not even on island or whatever. She's like far away, but she said some stuff to me. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, man, can't believe she said that. Ah, oh, that's, oh, so I got to go, I got to go talk to Tom about this. I got to go vent a little bit more about this, right? And I was feeling that, and I realized, how dumb is that, 
that that person who doesn't even, she's not even here, not even in the state, not even talking to me, but they have power over my life to disrupt me and to mess me up that bad. They're not even around. You know what that is? That's unforgiveness on my part. That's me not letting go of an offense that happened. And I don't want to respond like that. It kills me. It brings me down. I don't want to carry the burden of, of someone that doesn't even know that they're actually burdening me right now. So here's the answer is we got to learn to forgive them. Here's the whole bottom line of what I'm saying today. And I hope, do you guys get something out of this message today? Is there some stuff, some practical stuff, right? We deal with irritating people. I know all these husbands and wives have been coming up to me all weekend like, oh, yeah, I totally got this for my wife. Yeah, I totally got this for my husband. I'm like, whoa, this, you guys should talk maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But here's the whole thing we're talking about here today is, is people can only irritate you if you let them. So it's all based on how you respond. And I don't know about you, but I want to respond like Jesus. I want to respond a little bit more like Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are this morning. We thank you for convicting us a little bit here today, Lord, but also giving us some practical application. We want to do better. We want to respond better. We want to, we want to make it a win-win situation for everybody. I, I pray that you would, you'd help us to do that. You'd empower us. Lord, the reason that you call us to pray for people that irritate us is because prayer is the secret weapon that prayer steps in when we give up, when we're done, when we run out of patience for people. That's when we pray. Jesus, thank you for understanding that we would need so much help that you actually brought in a guy called the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us. That's what we do when we pray, is we're praying secret weapon, special power, when we run out of good thoughts and patience on our own. Thank you for helping us, God. Help us this week right now. I pray that we would all apply something that we learned here today. Begin to put it into practice here today as we walk out of this room, Father. Help make us better people. Help us respond better. And if you're someone in the room here today as we're praying, maybe you're someone that's never made a commitment to God before. Maybe you've never really told them that you want to follow him, that you, you like the message that he's putting out there, that you understand that he came to die for you and take your place so that you could live again and live, live with eternal life in mind in heaven, but also in new life starting here and right now. There's a God in heaven that created you, that loves you, and that he's willing to put up with how irritating you are and I am, and he actually sent his son to die for that, to take away that irritation and that judgment, and instead fill it with love and a promise of hope in our lives and, and, and renewal and healing and forgiveness. And if you're here today and you're going, man, I want that in my life. There's a bunch of people in the room here. They have a real relationship with Jesus and they're living good lives. They're working on it. They're not perfect, but God is there. And if you're here today and you're going, I want that. I want to know that I'm in, that I'm a Christian, that I'm in the family of God and that he died for me and he's going to help my life. If that's you, I want to say a prayer with you. Maybe you're someone that you, you used to maybe know God in this way or you thought you did, but you're just not sure. Maybe you've been away for a long time and it's time for you to come back. And today in this prayer, you're here to tell God, God, I'm back 100%. I'm in. I want this. So either of those people, first time commitment or coming back after a long time and saying, God, maybe I was just playing before, but it's for real right now. I get it. I need you. I want your help. I want a better life. I want eternal life. If that's you, let me lead you in a prayer right now that makes that happen, that you can walk out of this room knowing you're a Christian. You have heaven to look forward to. You have a God that loves you, and he's going to begin to change your life right now, I promise you. If you want to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to lead you in the prayer out loud. I'm going to pray the words. I'm just going to ask you to pray it in your heart of hearts. God sees your heart. He judges you on your heart. Sometimes our talk is cheap, but he sees the heart. So if you would just make this the prayer of your heart as I pray it out loud, then you're in. God hears you, and he's going to honor this prayer right now. 
but I would love for you to let me know if you're praying with me here today. I just, it's a privilege and an honor to lead you in this prayer. I just wanna know who I get to pray with. So if that's you here today, no one's looking, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If you're gonna pray this with me right now, quietly under your breath, could you just lift your hand and let me know? Could you just say, Pastor Carl, I'm in. I wanna pray this prayer. Good, I see hands starting to go up around the room. Can you keep them up? I just wanna acknowledge you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, middle section. I got someone else up front, someone on the side. Keep your hands up. I see this hand over here, one over there, one in the back. Lord, I'm seeing hands all over the place. If, you, if I didn't see you, just wave. I just want you to know you've been seen. I see you, I see you, got you. Man, there's hands everywhere. Praise God, hands on the side. Thank you, Lord. Just make this a prayer of your heart right now. This is just to God. No, no. Nobody else, just you and God in your heart. God, I'm here today, and I want you. I need you, but I want some of that forgiveness. I want some power to be to be better to the people that irritate me in life. But Lord, I just want to know that I'm forgiven of all the wrong I've done. I believe your son Jesus came to, to pay the price for my sin and separation from you. And then he rose from the grave to prove that he has power to restore that relationship, to put me back in relationship with you. And I believe that that's what he's did the moment right now in my heart that I'm saying yes to you, that I will follow you all of my days, Lord. And I'm looking forward to the new creation that you're gonna turn me into. Your word promises that, Lord. I look forward to that. Do whatever you need to do. I don't even know all I have to do, but just I'm starting with this is I wanna follow you. I believe in who you are and I'm gonna commit to, to you moving in my life, whatever that looks like. Thank you for meeting me where I'm at, even in my brokenness and my mess. Thank you for loving me right in the midst of my mess. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we praise God for all those people this morning? Amen. Amen.